Welcome to the Arate Podcast, the podcast created to help senior executives and the organizations they lead live up to their full potential. Join us for cutting-edge interviews with leading senior executive and board members across all industry sectors and for practical tips to accelerate your executive career. And now, here's your host, Richard Triggs. It's fantastic to have you along today to the Arate Podcast. Today, I'm talking with Jason Cubitt, who is the CEO of Horizon Housing. I've known Jason for a long time. In fact, Horizon Housing were one of the first clients of Arate Executive, and so it's great to have an opportunity to catch up with him and uh, learn a bit more about his backstory, which is, uh, uh, like most of my guests, um, has involved lots of uh, interesting uh, twists and turns, and uh, you know, you think about CEOs and think, oh, they must have this logical plan in terms of how their careers develop over time. But then when you actually get in and understand it, a lot of CEOs, including Jason, um, uh, have really followed opportunity and that's allowed them to build skill set, which has eventually created an ability for them to step into a CEO role very successfully. And certainly Jason has done that. But before I talk a bit more about Jason, for those people who are new to the Arate podcast, my name is Richard Triggs and I'm the Managing Director of Arate Executive and we are a headhunting firm, in, uh, so we provide headhunting solutions for our clients throughout Australia. Uh, we work across uh, industries and role families and geographies and uh, you know, certainly if you have any requirements in relation to attracting top talent to executive roles within your own organisations, I would welcome the opportunity to have a chat to you about that. Uh, Jason uh, has been in his role as CEO of Horizon Housing now for just over 11 years. Um, And Horizon Housing work in the affordable housing space. Uh, They're a not-for-profit which are based on uh, the Gold Coast here in Queensland. And, uh, you know, he has a background as an engineer uh, who worked in consulting. Uh, He worked across um, uh, a number of different organisations and uh, in a number of really interesting locations um, uh, throughout Australia uh, before becoming the CEO of Horizon Housing. Um, And, you know, they're a business that are involved in property development. They're involved in property ownership. They're involved in uh, property development. Uh, rental and so it is a very complex business with lots of moving parts and uh, Jason it goes into you know great detail about how the organization has grown over his 11 years as a CEO morphing into uh, new spaces and new services so sit back and enjoy this conversation with Jason Cubitt okay Jason well welcome to the Arate podcast great to have you along uh, on the lead up to Christmas, how's things uh, looking for you? Are things starting to slow down or get busier or what's happening? Oh, I think we've got a few busy weeks in front of us. We've got right. some strategic planning coming up next week. Okay. So um, that, that's a filling the agenda, getting some planning ready for that. And for the next year? Yeah, for the next couple of years. Actually. Okay, so right. We've oh, got yeah, some good. big things happening in Horizon Housing at the moment. So. Fantastic. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about your current professional responsibilities? Yeah, so I'm CEO of Horizon Housing Company. We're a not-for-profit charity based at Rabina on the Gold Coast. Yeah. Just celebrated their 25th year of operations this year. So it's been been a great ride. I joined them about 11 years ago as their CEO. 
Um, we're a part of a group of companies now. We're recently merged in with the Community Housing Limited Group. Uh-huh. We're a wholly owned subsidiary of CHL. Okay. And uh, underneath Horizon is a couple of other subsidiaries, mm-hmm. a, a real estate agency, an AFSL listed entity for profit, mm-hmm. and another housing development company. Okay. So, and I'm on the board of one of those organisations as well. So right. we've got a lot going on. Good stuff. Yeah. And tell us a little bit about what you know what a Horizon Housing do and the size of the business and so on. So Horizon Housing, it's a charity mm-hmm. um, principally, and it's about providing housing for low-income people in need. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do a range of housing from people uh, escaping domestic violence out of shelters right through to home ownership. Uh, we're a developer of housing mm-hmm. and a manager of housing and provide services to clients in our houses. Horizon directly has about 2,500 houses under management. Um, plus, under our subsidiaries, Australian Affordable Housing Solutions is another 3,700 houses. We do the financial service compliance management. Okay. But part of the greater group of mm-hmm. community housing limited is over 11,000 houses across the country uh-huh. and in six other countries in the world as well. Fantastic. That we're all a part of. And so the 2,500, is that Queensland centric? Mainly Queensland, we've got some just over the border in New right. South Wales. Okay, so, sure. Yeah, yeah. And how big's your team? We've got about 60 staff okay. at the moment, based in Rabina and Roma. Right. And obviously you do your own property management, do your own construction and so on as well? Yeah, so we, we do the project management, we outsource the building and mm-hmm. architectural and design and engineering, but okay. we project manage and contract admin. Right. Uh, we do our uh, manage all our own maintenance and property management and okay. um, all those services in-house. Right. Yeah. And so what would a person need to look like in order to qualify for your assistance? Generally, uh, well, no, I can't. It's hard to be hard to generalise because it might be someone um, coming straight out of a, a men's shelter looking for um, to stay across accommodation, looking for some more stable housing. Uh huh. Or it might be a young couple or seniors looking to buy their first home. So right. it's anywhere in between that range. We, okay. We certainly don't focus on expensive upmarket properties. Sure. But we do a lot of development. Yeah. Uh, and selling to. Um, people buying homes, but also renting to people in very high needs as well. Right. And so with all of the talk about affordable housing nationally, um, uh, how do you integrate or how do you uh, respond to that situation? So challenging times at the moment. Um, Definite lack of housing policy at a federal um, agenda. Mm -hmm. There's no real focus on providing um, housing for low to moderate income earners federally. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's lots of talk about funding and how expensive house pricing is, but not really any way of um, supporting organisations like us in providing housing for sort of key workers. Mm-hmm. So that's a challenge, but we do a lot of work with the Queensland State Government um, mm-hmm. providing housing and supporting them in provision of social housing for mm-hmm. very low income earners. And we also work a lot with the development industry providing um, discount housing options and development projects. Right. And things. I've just recruited a role for Mackay Regional Council yeah. as the head of their development services. And what they were talking about is because it's such a cyclical town based on the mining mm. industry, you know, in the boom, people paid massive money for houses. 
uh, suddenly mining goes away, those houses drop in value hugely, Absolutely. all the development projects get put on hold, there's massive unemployment, and then suddenly mining starts to show some shoots of recovery and uh, all the developers are back in town trying to push their DAs through as quickly mm. as possible and unemployment's the lowest in Queensland. And, you know, I, I imagine you have to look at each individual city or even parts of cities as being unique and have strategies to you know to meet their particular requirements yeah our operations are from we've got portfolio in townsville and we've got a portfolio in roma um, ipswich toowoomba up the coast we've got some in Mackay okay. and over the border and a lot on the gold coast but roma is a classic example of what you're just talking about we uh, were successful in securing funding from a number of the gas companies during the uh, those that period when those the rents were, days. rents were up around two and a half thousand dollars a week in yeah. Roma, you know, um, yeah. which is ridiculous, and uh, that was all driven by the construction of the pipelines mm. and the wells. Mm. And so we were successful, which was great, as gas companies supported us and we secured a significant amount of funds to mm-hmm. build some housing for normal people living right. in the town. So yeah. we've got a quite a, a reasonable sized portfolio out in the mm-hmm. Maranoa and the Western Downs regions, mm-hmm. sort of targeted sort of key workers. Um, but the the boom is gone. Right. The boom is gone. So um, the rents have dropped back to a pretty reasonable rate. Our, mm-hmm. our portfolio is going well, but there's certainly not the demand there. But we are starting to see things pick up like with solar farms mm-hmm. out in the Western Downs region, which okay. is great to see, which is starting to stimulate the economy and Mm -hmm. um, make sure the uh, properties are tenanted and um, Mm -hmm. having an impact out there. So Mm -hmm. that's good to see. But yeah, we've really got to um, watch the market. We are a charity and we're targeting low-income people, Mm -hmm. but we are a developer as well. Mm. So we don't want to be caught in the wrong market like any other developer. So it sounds like you're really in the uh, profit-for-purpose space, you know, which is the sort of the new uh, vernacular for -for not-for-profit, you know, I mean, you, you're obviously doing things to make revenue and make profit, which then goes to support other areas of your organisation. Absolutely, and we have been from day one. That's pretty much why I joined the organisation. I've you know come from a business background and really um, enjoy trying to make some dollars yep. and participating in the development and consulting market, but it's really nice to provide those services for a charitable purpose and mm-hmm. work work in an area where we can actually do some good but still apply um, sound um, business principles. And, okay, that's excellent. And keep going. Well, yeah. let's talk a bit more about that a bit later, but let's, yeah. uh, you know, I'm interested in, you know, hearing your story. So tell us a little bit about, you know, where you were born and mum and dad, brothers and sisters and, you, you know, early life. Yeah, go easy on me here because I was born in, Tas- <laughs> born in Tasmania. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, uh, grew up in a little town called Deloraine, which is in northwest Tasmania. Right. On a farm. Okay. Um, so farming family for about three or four generations. And what were they farming? A bit of everything. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah we had a reasonably sized farm in Tasmania. Right. Um, yeah, sheep, cattle, okay. pigs, forestry, gravel, everything. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, so I was the, uh, the last of the, the family to be on the farm and decided that wasn't for me. How many kids? How many brothers and sisters? I've just got one sister. One sister, right. Yeah, yeah. So she lives in Canberra now. Okay. Yeah. Right. Was your your parents disappointed that you didn't want to take the farm Yes, pretty sure they were. Pretty sure, yeah. So they've um, since 
retired a fair few years ago and sold the farm, uh-huh. so to say. And to uh, all those hobby farmers who yeah, are moving yeah, from yeah. the big smoke. Yeah, yeah. So there's um, that was a bit of an end of an era for our family, but okay. um, I think it was a good move. Farming's a pretty hard life. Yeah, so. for sure. So, yeah, glad to be um, not in that area. But, you know, one day I might regret it. And right. Maybe want to be back on the farm. But well, you could be like a lot of the CEOs that I know who have their little hobby farm. Oh, and, yes. You know, they run a few head of cattle. And, no, I've uh, got enough to do at the moment. I right. Think, but, yeah, yeah. yeah You're but, only a young fella. Plenty, I am. Plenty, yes. plenty of time. Very young. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so yeah grew, grew up in Deloraine on right. the farm and um, had, had a great life there, mm-hmm. um, living and, yeah, and then um, moved into the... The, the big smoke, I suppose, a place called Launceston in right. northern Tasmania and yep. um, studied um, civil engineering there mm-hmm. um, and ended up working for the Department of Main Roads in, mm-hmm. t- in Hobart in Tasmania um, in the civil engineering area there. Mm-hmm. So that was the start of my career, right. designing roads. Okay. Yeah. And working within what would have been an interesting culture, I'm sure. Yes, it was certainly, um, that was back... Back in the what would that be in the mid nineties? Okay. I guess right. Yeah, um, just those days when I think I started not long after banning smoking in the office. So that was right. sort of the era. It was just after all that. So the interesting days. You yeah, know. I'm a little bit older, and I remember clearly working in an office where everybody had an ashtray on their table. Yeah. Shocking. Yeah, no. <laughs> so how long did you hang out there for? Oh, I had a few years there. Uh, I can't remember the exact yeah I had right. five years or so and then the government decided to make some changes and I took a voluntary rep- package and right. left the government and um, secured a job in the um, sort of pr- private consulting engineering uh, world yeah and, still and in Tassie still in Tassie stayed there um, with a couple of organizations for right. a while and, okay um, enjoyed that yeah uh, um, yeah working on civil and structural projects and mm-hmm. Mainly got into project management and contract admin and um, working right. in that area, looking after projects. But so. still more the sort of linear infrastructure roads. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. So and, um, after that, um, we ended up in Brisbane for a while, my wife and I. Got right. married to my lovely wife, Anita. Right. Um, and we moved, I would have to say I did meet her at the Department of Main Roads. Right. And, yeah, she was HR manager, so <laughs> she looked after me pretty well. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we then moved up to Queensland. Why Queensland? Don't know, I just wanted to change. Tassie's a pretty cold, yeah. it's challenging time during so the winter. So she was from Tassie? Yeah, you're both from Tassie. Okay. So come up to um, Queensland and um, I had my own little um, consulting business, worked for a few organisations around um, Brisbane for a year or so. Okay. And that was great fun, just yep. two of us having a great time up sure. here um, and travelling around the country for mm-hmm. a while after that mm-hmm. and ended up um, back in Tassie again. Okay. Yeah, yeah. What do they say, the apple doesn't fall far from the no, tree? No, no, it's, um, it's nice to go home. But and so yeah. you went back there, what, to join SKM? Yeah, I worked at Sinclair Nightmirts, it was right. known as at that time. They uh, became Jacobs, didn't they? Yeah, they recently, yeah, right. well, a few years ago now. Sure. Yeah, 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 that was well after I moved on. Uh-huh. So I worked with SKM there for a fair few years on right. a range of projects and exciting projects looking at you know parks and wildlife projects and touring the state and right probably one of the better jobs i've had ever had in my life got free tours of all the 
historic places and the um, you know all the elevated platforms around Tasmania <laughs> and was paid to do it so really enjoyed that project nice. yeah and so how long was that for oh, I was a couple of years there and then an opportunity came up in um, SKM created the facilities management arm which mm-hmm. no longer exists now though mm-hmm. and they were they secured some um, contracts managing school maintenance in New South Wales right so I was um, lucky enough to secure a system project management job in um, northern New South Wales and had a couple of years there mm-hmm. um, li- living and working out of Mullumbimby oh, yeah. of all places so we had a little office in Mullumbimby so. you hung out with the hippies yeah yeah well, well yes yeah no it was a lovely little <laughs> town then it's changed a bit since but yeah and we serviced uh, all the schools in the northern New South Wales area doing, okay. looking after their maintenance contracts. So how that job come on your radar? Look, I was just trying to look at opportunities to further my career and mm-hmm. sort of get out of that engineering side. I was had enough of that and trying yep. to look into the facilities management and project management. And that, that came up within SKM as mm-hmm. an opportunity offered. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up there in Mullumbimby and managed that um, assistant manager there and then was offered the manager of the office in Tamworth. Okay. So yeah, had a little while in Tamworth, which right. um, experienced a couple of Tamworth country music festivals. What did you which, think of that? Well, I didn't know what to think to start with, right. but I actually, yeah, it's a, it's a great festival. It's yeah. exciting. And if ever, no, you've never been to the country music festival, it's certainly um, worth going to Tamworth. And it's one of those music genres too that you know people have in their mind the sort of my dog died and my girlfriend yeah. stole my pickup truck but uh it, country music's much broader than that it is so. and that's there's some pretty outstanding uh, guitarists and stuff in amongst that sure country music so yeah had a great time there right. in tamworth we you know we went way out west um covered a huge area in, in schools but at the same time um probably leads to where i am now we picked up some contracts with new south wales government managing that Department of Housing maintenance contracts mm-hmm. at, at that time, mm-hmm. so um, that was that's sort of really where it's led me to where I am. But um, whilst in uh, Mullumbimby and Towns and Tamworth, I had two boys. Right. Uh, well, my wife did. Right. Um, pretty sure I contributed um, <laughs> and contributed to their growth. So we ended up then after a few years going back to Tassie to family, as right. many people do, sure. to get the family support. To, yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. So what were you doing when you were back there then? I ended up back with SKM again Still for a little SKM. while. Yeah, okay. yeah, right. yeah. And um, then jumped into the Department of Housing on, mm-hmm. a, on a contract there looking after their asset management area. Mm-hmm. So um, ended up running the asset management department, um, the maintenance and retendering all their maintenance contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, as you do in government, end up in a fair few different roles in housing. TAS ended up in an area manager and a range of different um, project management, affordable housing project management. And mm-hmm. Jumped around a few jobs there mm-hmm. in, in Tassie for a while. What, what what was it around that time that got you really passionate about that space? Was it just kind of circumstance, I just fell into these roles, or did, were you starting to see yourself as building, you know, a, for want of a better term, a, a personal brand and, um, and being regarded as an expert in that sector? I'd like to pretend that was a real strategy right. but no I think the uh, moving into the FM type roles mm-hmm. with the schools mm-hmm. was that was a, a, a decision I wanted to go that way but okay. the housing side of things that was purely by picking up a contract and right. then because I, I had that experience I was able to secure some work with housing TAS but moving through that I um, 
certainly had a developed a reputation for applying sort of strong business skills mm-hmm. and performance and trying to get value and understanding the commercial side of mm-hmm. the market and applying that in a social service mm-hmm. and a government sector and being able to bring value mm. to a sector that's generally hasn't had that sort of approach in mm. the past. So yeah, I was going to ask you because, I mean, at the end of the day, your parents, even though they're farmers, they're small business owners. Yeah. And then you're working in a government um, uh, culture, then you're moving into a private sector, particularly that engineering space, which is yeah. all about time for money and yeah, you know, timesheets yeah. and, and then, uh, billable hours and all those it. sort of things. And then, uh, and then back again into, you know, a government culture. Yeah, I mean, at, people have a sort of sense of what a government culture is like as compared to a corporate culture. But you know, what would be um, in your mind, some of the key differences and perhaps some of the similarities? Look, I think people underestimate the capacity of people working in government. Mm-hmm. I think it's you, you'll often um, find people with excellent skill sets in government that have mm-hmm. got time and over years developed very strong technical skill sets. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes the, the passion to get it done gets beat out of them through the process unfortunately mm-hmm. but I, certainly my time in government and working with government there's some excellent people there that are really um, focused on trying to get things done and really well meaning mm-hmm. but sometimes the process and mm-hmm. the red tape gets in the way mm-hmm. so um, I guess I probably wasn't the most popular person when I went back into government because right. I was pretty um, Got a bit frustrated with the process and mm-hmm. tried to push things through, especially mm-hmm. in the procurement area. There okay. was a lot of, I can imagine, in procuring maintenance contracts, there was a lot of challenges there right. in government. So back that was a few years ago now, but I learned a lot. But you but, hung out there for about five years. Yeah, so yeah. So it can't have been that bad. No, I enjoyed it. And like I said, I jumped around a fair few roles and yep. um, experienced all sides of mm-hmm. the provision of social and public housing. Okay. So, which was a great experience for me. And then at that point was really your first step into a true NFP environment. Yeah, so there was um, it was a developing market in Tasmania at that point. So mm-hmm. um, a, a group in Tassie, um, Steps, who were an employment organisation at the yep. time, were mm-hmm. looking at ways to expand their business opportunities and um, invest surplus funds as a charity. And mm-hmm. they decided the best way to do that was to develop a little housing arm. So I was their first employee in that as the general manager of okay. Steps Community Housing. The first employee for the Tasmanian business or the business overall? For the first employee in Tassie for yeah. their housing, yeah. So right. it was a Tasmanian-based business. Okay, got it. Yep. yep. So we were um, developing housing and looking at ways and working with the government and mm-hmm. trying to invest. And we started a development program down mm-hmm. there in Tassie, building houses. Okay. And renting them out to low income right. key workers. So that was and was that a very unique proposition at the time? It was in Tassie, yeah. Right. Generally, the community housing sector in Tassie was generally run by church based organisations and okay. very socially focused. So mm-hmm. that was a good fit for me to be focusing on those outcomes, but having a a business approach. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the um, steps at the time were very commercially focused as well as a job network provider. They mm-hmm. were so. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to invest those funds and get a good return but still provide a charitable outcome. So okay. Great, okay. Very enjoyable time. Good yeah. stuff. And so um, uh, there for not a really long time before joining ISS, yeah. which uh, I understand ISS as being a very straight, you know, full-on commercial facility management business. Yeah. Yeah. So um, 
that was probably a, a change I wasn't look, <coughs> looking for at the time, but okay. ISS was successful in securing some FM contracts in Tasmania and pretty much tapped me on the shoulder right. to, to take a bit of a lead down okay. there in Tassie and help set up because I knew the government, mm -hmm. knew the housing management, and um, my role really was a, a short-term one to help mm -hmm. them set up in Tassie and get running and develop their FM contracts in mm -hmm. servicing the Department of Housing portfolio. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, up in Launceston, back okay. in back near my hometown right. again. So that was that was good fun for a little while. Yeah, yeah. So you said probably not a career move that you chose, or I can't remember your exact words. But what do you mean by that? Look, I was happily working with Steps, but um, the the environment had changed while we were there, and the um, funding wasn't really there to support a mm -hmm. big growth strategy with Steps mm -hmm. in their housing portfolio. Mm -hmm. Great bunch of guys, but the, the government policies and their capacity right. to to grow wasn't there. So, about um, ISS were looking for someone with experience to um, help with their FM, and I thought I'll. Give that a run again for All a while, right. back on that side of the fence. That was another year? Yeah, that was another year um, working with those guys and mm -hmm. trying to implement policy and systems mm -hmm. up in non-system. And um, I, I'd have to say that wasn't my preferred direction for my career with ISS. It mm -hmm. was a very big organisation, mm -hmm. international organisation, and um, great bunch of guys again. Really enjoyed working with the people but the model was a huge model and right. it was really hard to um, make change and okay. implement new policy and procedure mm -hmm. and get efficiency when there was so many people involved across mm -hmm. but but they, they do some great work and um, i'm not sure if they're still operating in that environment anymore in right. the in the housing maintenance yeah I, I don't know no i don't think they're still right. there anymore so okay Hopefully that wasn't my fault. Um, <laughs> and so how did the Horizon opportunity come on up for you? So I was there in Launceston um, working away with ISS and um, a mate of mine who was actually working in Mwoolumbar at the time okay. shot me his email and said, here's a job for you, Jason, and wasn't really looking and was with a little company called Gold Coast Housing Company on okay. the Gold Coast. And we always wanted to move back to Queensland um, when we were... Um, working down in the um, Mullumbimby area. We're actually living up just on the border there at the time and loved the Gold Coast area. Mm -hmm. um, kind of saw it as a bit of a, a wind-down job, to be honest. Uh, right. Don't tell my board this, but, right. yeah, I think this will be a nice change. Just yep. back to, into the community sector, mm -hmm. Gold Coast will mm -hmm. be great. Only a very small organisation, mm -hmm. just been backed by... Gold Coast City Council and the state government to merge two small organisations together. Mm -hmm. uh, that that merger had been undertaken, but they were at the point of having to deliver a business plan to the government right. to receive funding to grow the organisation. So, so who'd I, run the two organisations to that point? The sort of founder, manager, or no? There were two two community groups, volunteer boards. Right, okay. um, there was a project manager that was put on, employed by the government, to bring the two organisations mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and they, that that went for a little while, and then they recruited, started the recruitment process. Right. Peter Maher from St Vincent de Paul was yeah. the, the inaugural chairman of okay. um, Gold Coast Housing yeah. Company. So another podcast guest. Yes, yeah, no, in, I've known, in good company. Yeah, known Peter for many years <laughs> now, and um, I remember his um, interviewing me on the Gold Coast. Right. Thing. Bit over eleven years ago now. Yeah. So, well, he's yeah. got an unusual background too. I mean, he was a teacher. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. when you look at a lot of CEOs of not-for-profits, I mean, he was a teacher, 
Um, uh, Nino was a musician who That's became right. a banker. He was, he was our current chairman. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. Uh, you know, many roads lead to Rome. That's right. Yeah. So, and then Gold Coast Housing Company. We were this tiny little group. I think we only had a couple of hundred houses in the portfolio mm. at that time. And but there was great opportunity there. The Gold Coast City Council were putting funds in. The state government were putting funds in. And affordable and social housing was a really hot topic back mm, then, and mm. it would have been about 2006, 2007. Mm. And it still is. Yeah, well, it is, but it's not well-funded at okay, the moment. Back right. then it was well-funded, mm -hmm. and we are able to secure a significant amount of funding mm. and turn this little group into a, a reasonable-sized developer. And, and were you excited by the fact that it was a CEO role? I was, yeah. I think right. I, I could see that the, the what the um, environment was doing at that point mm -hmm. um, nationally. There was a lot of support mm -hmm. at, at um, all three levels of government mm -hmm. on the Gold Coast. And what excited me was the Gold Coast City Council were wanting to make sure the organisation had a dual focus, both social housing for very low income, but mm -hmm. Gold Coast being hospitality and retail. They mm -hmm. wanted the, the organisation to focus on providing housing for those key workers and... Mm -hmm hospitality and retail workers so there was this real opportunity to partner with the development industry on the Gold Coast mm -hmm. and um, become a big a reasonable sized player and mm -hmm. help deliver housing and um, so when you were sitting there and you're going well I'm going for the CEO role I've not been a CEO before um, no doubt you did you did some introspection yeah um, were there skill gaps or were there attributes and you thought well if I'm going to really make a fist of this I'm going to have to improve my capability in certain areas absolutely absolutely yeah so technically the development side and the um, project management and that's sort of, I was quite comfortable with that, yeah. the you know delivery of the programs mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. the, it was more the governance side mm -hmm. and the um, financial management mm -hmm. and reporting to a board mm -hmm. that was all reasonably new to me okay. and so I had to really focus on that and right Went and did the AICD course and a um, bit of more study just mm -hmm. to make sure I'm on board with all that. And mm -hmm. Put a fair bit of effort into understanding financial management yeah. and um, corporate governance. Mm -hmm. um, so there were, there were a few areas of weakness of mine in the early days. It was only a small organisation, so mm -hmm. I probably managed to bluff my way through in the <laughs> early years. But um, I think I've picked up the skills pretty sure. well now. And, um, yeah, we've grown the organisation steadily from those those days mm -hmm. up, you know, and so what was the original mandate you know Peter and the board said welcome to the team Jason you know yep. go out and this is what we want you to make happen well we really had to convince government that the organisation had the capabilities to deliver on the um, the programs they wanted mm -hmm. to and, and the funding you know, there was about 20 to 25 million dollar worth of funding offers there mm -hmm. we were to demonstrate that we could deliver a construction program mm -hmm. We could recruit the staff, we can manage the portfolio and we can integrate into the development community and, and deliver outcomes as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. That was that was what I was brought on for. And I, right. I think the um, the board and Peter at the time saw that my skill set from understanding government, mm. understanding the community sector and understanding the business sector mm -hmm. was probably a really good mix mm -hmm. for a, a dynamic little organisation that had to sort of play in all three fields, government, Mm. private mm. and not-for-profit sectors. And have you found it challenging to manage such various stakeholders? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 you know, after 11 years, it's still a major challenge. You mm. know, we, we deliver services to people in really high needs and provide really high-quality um, service for 
community housing tenants and it's quite challenging. We have mm. some people that are in really dire needs and mm. we have to keep focused on that. That's what we're about. Mm. We're a charity, mm-hmm. but we're also a developer mm-hmm. and want to build houses and we want to buy land at the right price. Yeah. We want to get great value for money in our construction projects. Mm-hmm. We want to make money and reinvest it back into providing housing mm-hmm. for low income. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, it's trying to walk that line. And sure. as you said earlier, it's focusing on delivering the outcomes, but we don't want to go broke doing it and mm-hmm. we don't want to be reliant on handouts and grants. Mm-hmm. We want to be a profitable charity. Mm. And so 11 years in the role, yeah. you know, what, what are some of the key milestones along that time? So major construction program in the in the GFC back in the heady days of that we were able to secure about fifty five million dollar capital grants from the federal state government so that certainly boosted the organisation along mm-hmm. and we were able to deliver a, a really large construction program at that point in time and mm-hmm. got all our projects out over the line nothing no problems no problems with builders and mm-hmm. um, I think that was we were one of very few in the country that actually delivered on that construction program and okay. created a lot of jobs and a lot of houses, so mm-hmm. something we're very proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to diversify the organisation has been another big thing that the board and I and my management team have really focused on. And diversify in terms of the makeup of the team or the type of work you do? Oh, both. Right. Both. So we've got a, um, a portfolio in of um, properties and services that are very diverse for a community housing mm-hmm. provider. So, as I said, we deliver um, housing for those in very high needs, mm-hmm. social housing, income-based rent, um, and a great, a great team of social housing managers there that focus on really supporting those clients. Mm-hmm. So would that be substantively different to other players in your sector nationally? Generally, that's what most players in our sector do, is that high-need social housing, right. providing that, that really intensive support of those clients mm-hmm. and uh, working closely with the support services and mm-hmm. government in delivering that. So that's our core business, and that's generally the core business of most community housing mm-hmm. providers nationally. Where we differ is the um, other side of the spectrum in the affordable housing, the market housing. Mm -hmm. There's a few there now getting into that market. Mm -hmm. But we're also, um, I think we're the first organisation in Australia to have a subsidiary for-profit organisation that's got Australian Financial Services Mm licence. Which is the rental management business? No, that one's running a managed investment scheme. Okay. It's um, doing compliance management on um, investment properties. Okay. So that's quite a complex little organisation mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. a separate board that I sit on that board mm-hmm. with a few others. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that's quite unique. And now we've also got a nationally licensed real estate agency okay. that's right. operating in Queensland and yeah. about to start operation in a number of other states mm-hmm. across Australia. Still focusing on a similar demographic, mm-hmm. but certainly not social housing, but to low to moderate income mm-hmm. um, clients. Looking at um, just standard rent rolls, but mm-hmm. in the in the um, lower demographic areas, mm-hmm. so that's that's and, and a big growth area for us okay. at the moment. And that diversification, what's that brought to the business in terms of, you know, outcomes in the future? Yeah, so it's 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 about providing that continuum of housing outcome for our clients from that mm-hmm. end. So we've, we're able to now provide um, from housing for people that are exiting. Um, crisis accommodation mm-hmm. through to discounted affordable housing through schemes like the federal government's now defunct NRAS scheme mm-hmm. th- 
through to um, shared home ownership, which mm-hmm. we've done a few projects where we've That's done right. people have been able to buy in at yep. a discount to market, mm-hmm. um, to full home ownership on projects where we've undertaken developments. Mm-hmm. But now we're managing rent rolls. We've, we've recently purchased in Queensland just a rent roll off the real estate market, right. and we're managing that as okay. well. So we've got every option covered mm-hmm. um, for, for clients to progress but mm-hmm. also to hopefully generate revenue mm. to invest back in building housing mm-hmm. for our most needy clients. Mm-hmm. And also we started talking about diversity in terms of your employees, you know, what, what's been the key driver and what sort of things have you been doing? So development of our staff is crucial and we've got about 60 staff in a horizon, um, but they're ranging from our our tenancy managers in the social housing area that have got a real key focus on their clients and the, and the, the well-being of those tenants mm-hmm. and making sure they can sustain their tenants and that's that's a really hard job and mm-hmm. that takes a big focus and finding people that can deliver that job well is a, a hard task that mm-hmm. um, we've focused on for many years mm-hmm. and so that's core business. But we've got asset management people looking after the maintenance of many many properties. We've also now got um, fully licensed real estate mm-hmm. managers looking at uh, managing rent rolls, and mm-hmm. um, we're doing housing sales as well under the real estate agent. Okay. And but also um, financial services compliance. So the AFSL entity has um, financial services license, mm-hmm. um, special compliance committee, um, a specific board which I sit on as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a very broad range of skills we've got development people and we've got a very strong financial team mm-hmm. as well with mm-hmm. CFO and business development manager okay. and HR right so it's a it's a pretty complex little organizer mm. and one of the things I found interesting from a cultural point of view is you think well a not-for-profit you know is going to have the most amazing culture because everybody's heart-led and you know it's uh, it's going to be all champagne and unicorns uh, but in fact the reality is that cultured management in not-for-profits can often be much more challenging mm. than in a commercial environment have you found that it is it's um we've got to keep reminding ourselves and the and the board board keeps me honest here that we are a charity right and what why we're there we're there to provide service to our clients and mm. we we keep reminding ourselves that, and it's really great. You know, we often have great good news stories of how we've helped clients, and yeah. we really celebrate that when those outcomes. Right. Um, but the the team is great, and they 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 keep us grounded, mm-hmm. uh, especially the social housing and the other NRAS property management team are very focused on their clients. Mm-hmm. And, make sure we, um, we're delivering outcomes and we do staff and tenant surveys regularly and um, get lots of great feedback okay. on that we're focusing and right. but, but we're not going to um, go break doing that mm-hmm. either. We want to make mm-hmm. sure we can um, keep delivering services mm-hmm. for as many people as possible mm-hmm. and um, share, the, share the joy across as many people as possible. Right. And when you're you know, 11 years in a row, um, which is you know, a pretty long tenure it for is. a CEO, yeah. uh, more common in the not-for-profit sector, um, I mean, how do you keep yourself fresh and continuing to learn and develop your own skills? Um, uh, what, where do you consciously put your attention to make sure that you don't just get into Groundhog Day? Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. I, I think we're lucky. We've been having lots of constant changes with mm-hmm. the the subsidiary real estate and the AFSL entity has really challenged me. You know, they're two new areas of work mm-hmm. that really haven't had a lot of exposure to. So mm-hmm. we've had to recruit some great people there to 
to lead those areas and that's been a big learning curve for me and mm. a real a real focus for me too and you know the social housing team they're great they know mm -hmm. what they're doing and they're very good at it they don't need a lot of support from me mm -hmm. um, so I've been able to focus on the other areas but recently we've um, had a merger with a, a large national organization mm -hmm. community housing limited which mm -hmm. are a not-for-profit charity and yep. we're a wholly owned subsidiary of um, CHL now and mm -hmm. I've got a a national presence with um, offices in, in every state and in six other countries as well. Okay. So as part of the, the merger of Horizon in under CHL is that we're taking on a, a lead in providing affordable and real estate services nationally out mm -hmm. of all of their offices. So that's okay. given me a, a real change and a right. real refocus oh, as good. well, which is great. So we're looking at setting up operations in um, mm -hmm. South Australia and Sydney and potentially Tasmania at okay. the moment, looking at how Horizon can be their, uh, their brand of delivering real estate services out of those offices mm. as well. So that's certainly reinvigorated Horizon. Mm -hmm. um, things have got a bit slow, I guess, in the development area in Queensland, so mm -hmm. that's given us the opportunity now to look at other opportunities. Mm -hmm. And what about from you know an external perspective? Are you, you know, reading certain things or doing professional development or uh, looking at what's happening globally to ensure that you're sort of at world's best practice. Do you do much of that? Yeah, certainly do. Yeah, we're, we've uh, got a great HR team. We're within um, Horizon and CHL and we do lots of training for our team. And me personally, we're, we're looking at what opportunities there are and um, making sure we're examining um, you know, what other... Like we're exploring things like uh, real estate investment trusts and um, okay. shared equity and rent to buy and right. all of those sort of different avenues mm. to try and bring more funds into mm. um, the organisation to deliver more outcomes for our clients. We were the first organisation to attract funds investment from a, um, a superannuation fund into okay. funding housing. So that was a great success for Horizon to right. do How that. did you do that? Just by partnering up with a range of organisations, Social Ventures Australia, which is a great organisation based out of Sydney, mm. and, and us work together to partner up with Hester Super oh, yep. to get some investment in a couple of projects. Okay. Uh, we did a project in Mwoolumbar and mm -hmm. uh, bought a block of land there and did a 55-lot subdivision. Okay. Kept some and sold some as um, shared equity-type products mm -hmm. into mm -hmm. the market. So mm -hmm. we're always looking for new opportunities, but... Also still want to remember our roots and mm -hmm. partnering with Queensland State Government and Gold Coast mm -hmm. City Council and looking at ways we can keep developing mm -hmm. those relationships. Mm -hmm. And so when you look towards the future for Horizon Housing and the sector, um, you know, five to ten years in the future, what do you see as some of the exciting opportunities and potentially some of the challenges? I think the exciting opportunity is being part of this greater bigger group now that we yeah. have the opportunity and the balance sheet and the skills and mm -hmm. I think there's 300 odd staff across the mm -hmm. greater organization now and better capacity to deliver services okay um, hopefully we can start developing some uh, larger projects and moving in the construction area mm -hmm. again but rolling out horizons brand nationally as well in, mm -hmm. the, in the real estate market and we'd really like to have a strong presence nationally providing uh, real estate services, mm. um, uh, joint venturing with Sertel service and delivering um, multi-tenure projects mm. across the country. Um, I think the challenges for our sector is though it's you're either going to have to be boutique or very large. Right. I think it's hard to be 
a mid type mid size mm. organization and be viable now it's mm. um, you know rents really aren't increasing at a rapid rate we're providing discounted rent but costs mm. to deliver services and construction and maintenance mm. are still going up so it's got to be a, a game where the scale really comes into play mm. that we can try and bring down our back office costs mm-hmm. and deliver better value so we can c- keep being um, viable into the future. Mm. It's really a challenge for us. I think that's an issue for the not-for-profit sector, uh, particularly those in the disability services area because mm. um, as NDIS, you know, um, changes the way that, you know, funding is um, uh, allocated, suddenly you have end users who have got the choice as to who they want to spend their money with then you have commercial organizations going oh there's you know there's opportunity here and uh and um m and a is going to become extraordinarily prevalent absolutely yeah so uh, we uh we at horizon uh, i think the board are quite happy for me to talk about this have really examined our position we, mm-hmm. we're the largest community housing provider by far in queensland horizon mm-hmm. I think it was quite a shock to many of our peers that we actually merged with another larger organisation because we were um, strong, very financially viable, great Mm. service provision, very happy, strong Mm organisation. But we um, spent a lot of time working with um, with our board and management and shareholders Mm. and looking at what's the future. Um, And we were too big Mm -hmm. to be boutique. Mm Uh, but too small to really grasp a national presence. It's very hard to operate and get a foothold in mm-hmm. another state. It's mm-hmm. very parochial mm-hmm. in the other states to get operations there. But we still wanted to be able to have the capacity recruit to recruit um, professional quality staff mm-hmm. that can add that value to allow us to do all these great things we've so done. So what does that mean? Paying higher salaries. Paying higher salaries, attracting, you know, just the excitement in the organisation mm-hmm. of delivering a range of services. And, mm-hmm. you know, we want to be able to, you know, attract good CFOs, good business development mm-hmm. managers, um, all those sort of skills, you know, to have things going on and be yeah. be a large-scale organisation. and so, To afford it. Yep, and to be able to do that, you need to keep growing. Yeah. And uh, it was hard to do that mm-hmm. in Queensland. Mm-hmm. We were in a position that we're strong and viable, mm-hmm. but... Uh, I'd have to say it's probably getting a bit starting to plateau out a bit right. so partnering with then we we dated a lot of the large organisations yeah. and thought CHL was the best match for us Okay, and that's working out pretty well for us mm-hmm. now And How long has that been? Uh, we started that, uh, the formal uh, merge uh, occurred in July this mm-hmm. year uh, so we're working through processes now so we're currently working with them, they had a portfolio up in uh, uh, Maryborough location, so mm-hmm. we're managing that for them and looking at uh, the real estate services nationally, but we've also merged things like our HR mm-hmm. and IT. Mm-hmm. We're looking at merging, getting that economies of scale in the back office to mm-hmm. allow us to focus more on the projects and service delivery to our clients. Mm-hmm. And you've been there for 11 years. You know, yeah. At what point do you get a bit itchy <laughs> and think uh, time for a change? Well, I probably was, to be honest. Right. Um, but with this merger coming, it it's really has created a change. It certainly changed my mm-hmm. role dramatically from mm-hmm. managing a large Queensland community housing provider, which still doing, still reporting yeah. to the board, still got the board. Mm-hmm. But we now have this national operations mm-hmm. now and this national real estate agency mm-hmm. that we're we're running out. So that's giving me a new lease of life oh, in good. my role. Yeah, um, and 
being able to participate in that mm. sector a bit more and look at how we can deliver services in those other states with mm -hmm. the support of CITLers. So it changed my job dramatically now, okay. which, is, which is great. So sure. And I know from your CV, currently doing your MBA and yeah. also doing your real estate agent licence. Yeah, MBA is one of those things that's ticking along very slowly. <laughs> I, I, um, I've got a fair way through it, but right. I, I need to get, get back into that and just trying to finalise my real estate licence right. now as well. Yeah, so, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I've um, uh, done an MBA, which I finished in 2002 or 2003, and uh, it was bloody hard work. And yeah. I'm very glad that I've, you know, I, I did it. But um, uh, at the time, trying to balance a full-time job and an MBA yeah. and your family life and so on, it is... It uh, is hard work, and those parts of the MBA that I just loved, like yeah. the economic side and stuff, just sure. powered through that. Oh, really? loved. And then you get to other subjects. Think, oh, really? What didn't you love? Oh, I'm not going to say that. Mar <laughs> mar probably marketing was really? the one. Yeah, oh, I'm I the other way around. Yeah, no, there you go. So right. no, I like the numbers side of it. Yeah. The marketing I find pretty um, hard to digest. So I've got to get back in. I've had a little break from it. Right. Yeah, so I need to get back into that as soon as I finish the real estate license course. And then and are there other courses or bits of professional development you're excited about doing? Look, um, at this point, I want to focus on um, on work and trying to roll out the real estate um, opportunities yep. across the country. That's okay. my focus for next year or mm -hmm. so. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of work there and mm -hmm. developing that and partnering with the CHL team and looking at what mm -hmm. what we can bring to the table on their larger scale developments across mm -hmm. the country. Mm -hmm. and, now we hope to be able to be in the, in the sales side on their sites and um, on-site management under the Horizon brand mm -hmm. is it's really where we're focusing over mm -hmm. the next year and mm -hmm. it'll be my focus. And what do you think about the challenges you started the conversation with facing the industry in terms of getting enough government attention and funding and so on? You know, what, what do you think needs to happen there? Look, the, the big looming issue across the country is the um, National Rental Affordability Scheme. So yeah. a 10-year program where it provided a subsidy to investors um, to rent out properties and mm -hmm. discount the market. Great scheme. Mm -hmm. Had some challenges over mm -hmm. the years. Uh, but our first properties are coming to the end of their 10 years mm -hmm. next month. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's 36,000 properties under that scheme right. that are going to taper out over the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, that's providing a lot of great housing outcomes for people, mm. <coughs> but also providing a great investment return sure. to them. Generally, mum and dad investors. Mm. There's a small, a few small super funds mm. investing in mm. that, but that's a rental market that um, is is delivering great outcomes for clients and investors, and that is mm. going to start tapering off. And that's something that I'm concerned about, and I'd like to see some more focus mm. um, nationally on what sort of mm. schemes or tax incentives or what programs can be put in place to encourage mm. people to invest into um, properties for rental for mm -hmm. low to moderate income earners? And then they hear the Labor government talking about rescinding um, negative gearing, and that's only going to you know make people a lot more cautious. Uh, it will, yeah. So, um, but hopefully, um, either. Either side of government will see that the benefit of a scheme like NRAS, it could do with a lot of work to mm. tidy NRAS up again for the future, but there is um, certainly some great value out of that mm. NRAS scheme if there could be something delivered that's similar to that, that encourages private investment into affordable mm. housing. I think that's that the runs are on the board there with mm. that scheme that has delivered great outcomes. You mentioned uh, NRAS is now defunct. 
Yeah, well, yeah, we stopped. There's no more NRAS. Right, so but it's, it's there is a possibility to reinvigorate it. I hoping that uh, the federal government on either side will look at creating another version of NRAS okay. to roll out in right. the next year or so. Mm-hmm. Um, let's hope it becomes a part of the election next year mm. at the federal level that mm. they come up with a scheme that's similar. Mm. Um, the state government's just released um, an, an updated housing strategy, which is looking pretty positive mm-hmm. here in Queensland, and we're hoping to participate in that and um, deliver some new projects mm. in support of their housing strategy. Mm. So that, that's that's focused on affordable housing, but mm-hmm. it certainly won't be at the scale of what NRAS has done mm-hmm. for the country over the last 10 mm. years. I imagine one of the big uh, issues that would be um, keeping people in your space awake at night is the fact that you know, there's a lot of, we have an ageing population, uh, so the, the, the percentage of people retiring is will escalate. The percentage of people being able to afford, you know, to remain living in their own home or even, you know, paying rent will get more difficult. And then the next thing to sort of to add to it is the fact that people will live a lot longer. You know, so when people were retiring at 55 and dying at 60, it wasn't that much of a burden on government, but if people are retiring at 65 with no cash and they're going to live to the, be 120, mm-hmm. that's a big deal, isn't it? Pretty brutal way of putting it, but <coughs> yeah, it certainly is. Right. It, it, it is a, a major issue and it is already. Mm. We've got lots of our clients that are seniors that are, um, especially the ones in NRAS, you mm. know, they've been getting a 25% discount to market on their rent. Mm-hmm. We've got some clients, seniors, that have been in those properties for the full 10 years of the NRAS scheme. Right. And we're working closely with them and the property owners to try and find a strategy for mm. them moving forward. Mm. You know, at, at the end of the 10 years, potentially their rent's going to go back up to market rent. Right. And a lot of them can't afford that. Mm. Uh, so that, that's a big issue. And the population, as you said, is ageing. And we're trying to find ways of um, servicing those mm. clients. We're just developing a project, for example, out in Roma, mm. in the Maranoa region for um, seniors. So we did a research project in the in the town there and looking for what what's needed to house seniors. Mm. You know, there's a lot of people retiring from farms. They and they're not all the rich farmers. You mm. know, they might have worked on a farm or sure. they might have been as um, and they wanted to move into the the big smoke of Roma mm-hmm. and settle down. There's not many opportunities in towns like that for small accommodation. So mm-hmm. we're building a, um, a small development there of five seniors' residents mm-hmm. where they can support each other and just looking at opportunities mm-hmm. on how we can provide housing for seniors that are um, on lower incomes and may not have big, mm-hmm. big pensions and mm-hmm. superannuation available to mm-hmm. them. And it's a big issue. Yeah, and I think the other thing too... Uh, you know, my grandma, she died a little while ago. She was 99 and a half. And yeah. she was completely independent until she was 96. Yep. Got pneumonia, went into an aged care facility, absolutely hated it, woke up every morning saying, God, why am I still alive? Yeah. You know, and, but persevered and put up with it because that generation, you know, you've just kept a stiff upper lip. And then, you know, I look at my mum, who's um, in her mid-70s, who has a great lifestyle. You know, she, um, she expects that if she's going to be accommodated... Um, it's going to be nice and the service is going to be good and the food is going to be of a high quality. Yeah. And, um, you know, our uh, expectations are massively different. Um, and I suppose that's going to, you know, a big impact as well. You know, um, the days of, you know, uh, people being happy to share accommodation and have 
multiple families living in one house because that's just what you got to do. Yeah. You don't hear a lot about that anymore. No, you don't. And my, my sister um, lives in Canberra. She's um, been in the aged care sector for mm. many years now. And right. I have a lot of chats with her about that because we provide, Horizon provides um, a fair bit of housing for seniors, but mm. my sister Katrina's um, heavily involved in um, aged care environment and the the challenges in that sector as well, and oh, exactly sure. that. There's um, there's all different scales mm. of aged care, and um, mm. being able to provide a service that's affordable to people, and mm. not everyone, especially people that have started out, um, you know, maybe they get into the 60s and 70s, mightn't have good superannuation yeah, and stuff sure. these days. So uh, we're seeing more and more people coming to our organisation looking for affordable housing. Mm. Um, for their latter years in mm. life and, mm. and it's hard to find those opportunities mm. for them and mm. we're certainly focused on um, trying to develop more and more housing for mm. seniors and independent living we're not mm. an aged care provider but we certainly want to mm. focus on providing affordable independent mm. living for seniors as well and do, do you think you've always had a sort of an altruistic orientation or do you think that that's something that's just developed you know um, sort of what nature versus nurture you know, you've been in that environment and as you've been in that environment, you've become more altruistic uh, or, you know, how does that work? Because I, a lot of people who have done well in business go, oh, you know, I'd love to go and work for a not-for-profit and um, it's an opportunity to give back. But I think that, you know, it's, it's obvious that you're very connected at a heart level to what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, I wouldn't say I was to start with. Right. No, it's, a, it's something that you, you get into and this is a job and it's exciting and mm-hmm. it's fun and... Mm-hmm. And then you, I, I remember we um, did a project on the Gold Coast in Labrador. We um, partnered up with another community group uh, and built a house for people with disability. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a three-bedroom home, fully modified, and we housed three people. Um, two of them were 44, mm-hmm. and they'd lived with their parents their whole life, mm-hmm. and their parents were 70 or 80. Wow. And another lady was 55 mm-hmm. and she'd lived in a hospital in Toowoomba her whole life. Wow. So that sort of thinks, yeah, we're mm-hmm. doing a good thing here. We built mm-hmm. this beautiful home. We bought the block of land off the market. We got the funds, mm-hmm. got some support from the government. We, we put some debt finance in there and we mm-hmm. were able to deliver a, a really nice house that's supporting these three lovely mm-hmm. ladies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we opened that property and I was talking to the parents of one of those people, just the relief on their face mm. that this lady, that lady, you know, she was same age as me, right. is now living reasonably independently yeah. and her parents, first time in their life, mm. can live independently yeah. but still come and visit their daughter. And I suppose their daughter those would feel things. a sense of, you know, I'm finally being given the opportunity to become an adult. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And she's there with peers that they can... Right. They can um, do their own thing but sure. they've still got that on on-site support yeah, that's awesome those sort of things you think yeah this is really mm. you know we've we've been commercial about delivering this project and mm. raising the funds mm. but you know the, the outcome you know mm. brings tears to your eyes on mm. the opening of those days <laughs> when you see how happy those people are oh, that's excellent yeah. and so we've talked a lot about business today in your career but you know, to sort of wind things up, what's Jason about when he's not at work? What are the sort of things you like to do? Oh, I spend a lot of time with my kids. How old uh, are they? Uh, 17 and 19. Oh, okay. And, um, yeah, I really enjoy their company. And they still want to hang out with Dad? They do, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we do a bit of mountain biking, but we right. also um, own a little um, fitness centre on the Gold Coast, oh, okay. a little, little um, family business. Right. So, 
the kids both work there part time. Okay. And, yeah, try and keep fit and uh-huh. have a bit of fun there. Is it one of these franchise type ones? No, no, it's an independent. It's uh-huh. on Isla Capri, so okay. in a nice spot. And we, right. um, yeah, I, I don't get there much. But <laughs> I probably need to get there a bit more if you have a look at me. Oh, yeah. um, you and me both. Yeah, but yeah, my boys um, work there part time. Right. It kind of keeps the family together on okay. weekends and yeah. stuff, which is so that's our hobby at the moment. Right. Yeah. And what about travel? Any exciting plans? <sighs> No, look, we've done a bit lately. I've just got back. My sister had a 50th birthday in Bali, so right. we, we had to go and endure that. Hope she's not listening. Endure uh, the Bali or endure the party? Oh, both. Oh, both. really? <laughs> you, you did like Bali's Bali? Not, Bali's not my scene. Oh, uh, whereabouts yeah. were you hanging out? Yeah, we had a... Well, she she hired a nice big house, so we're all living together oh, there. For, right. That was good to get the whole family together. Yeah, and yeah sure. her 50th okay. and um, celebrate that. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I think we're just happy spending Christmas this year at home on right. the Gold Coast yep. and, and enjoying those. Gold Coast is as good a place as any to live. You know, you, you don't go to surface much, but the rest of Gold Coast is pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I was down at a free conference in surface the last three days. And yeah. Schoolies, right in the middle right of Right in the middle of schoolies. Yeah, yeah. In fact, my uh, hotel room um, literally looked out on the ba- the beach where there was this massive stage and this doof-doof music going <laughs> on. And so uh, it, was not, uh, it was not very easy to go to sleep. But, um, yeah, surface is just... It just the whole time I've known it, and I've been in Queensland since 1980, just it just looks daggy. And, yeah. it, and no matter what they've done to it, it just it's always the same. Oh, look, I'm not going to agree with you. I, right. love, I love the Gold Coast. Right. And I don't want to get um, Tom Tate offside if he happens to this. <laughs> I think they've invested heavily in the right. surface, and it's, it gets a lot of use. Oh, I'm it sure. gets a lot of yeah, use, no, and I'm probably definitely. going during schoolies isn't the best time to no. explore surface. But yeah. most of us Gold Coasters don't live in surface no that's we right we live in the suburbs and enjoy right. enjoy a coffee down in some of the other areas and it's a great lifestyle and great place to grow up and would you like to go back to Mullum? probably not oh, no, really? i'd no, love no. to live in Mullum. yeah it was um we lived nearby to Mullum and worked right. in Mullum. It, that was that was interesting times yeah. but yeah gold coast <laughs> has got everything you know sure on a good day you're only 45 minutes from brisbane on right. a bad day you're two hours that's right. um so you got to plan your life pretty well around yeah. the traffic and the M1. But yeah. Now we really enjoy it. My wife's a school teacher. Okay. So she teaches down there on the Gold Coast. And, Excellent. Um, so we really enjoy the lifestyle there. And Good. Yeah. Well, look, before we just wrap it up, anything else that you wanted to say or anything happening at Horizon Housing you want to talk about? or? No, look, I think it's um, the, the big point I want to push is that um, we need to be working together with all levels of government and the community housing sector and the development mm-hmm. sector to try and make sure we try and tackle the housing issues. Mm-hmm. It's um, There's always a lot of conversation about housing affordability, but it tends to come down to housing purchase prices and the median mm-hmm. house price mm-hmm. and what your average person can afford to pay. But mm-hmm. it, it tends to... The sexy topic of low-income housing for social housing or people on mm. very low incomes tends to get missed a bit so mm. i'd really like to see that back on the agenda nationally sure. and look it's only going to get worse I mean, no, it as, definitely is. as artificial intelligence and automation takes over a lot more jobs and these people are unskilled to go into more technical work it's going to it's going to be a big crisis it is and your, your housing's there's no point just building cheap housing way out in the suburbs mm. of people that you know, the key workers in the hospitality and retail, especially on the Gold Coast, they need to live near where they work mm-hmm. or it's unaffordable for them to travel as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't want to be on that M1 every day. No. You know? So we need sure. to be able to make sure we can mm. work with the councils and the planning schemes and look at opportunities to 
uh, zoning that supports and encourages people to build affordable housing in the, in the well located areas. Well, Jason, thank you very much for your time and for suffering the M1 to come and oh, see that's me today. Right. No, I, I'd missed the traffic today. It wasn't too bad. <laughs> oh, that's good. It's been a pleasure. Good on you. Well, have a fantastic afternoon. You too. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Arate Podcast with Richard Treeks. For show notes and other resources, please visit aratepodcast.com. While you are there, you can subscribe for future episodes so you can continue your own journey towards realizing your full potential as a senior executive. And please be sure to share this and other episodes with your friends and colleagues. The Arate Podcast is brought to you by the Experts On Air Podcast Network.